You're listening to the Housing Innovation Alliance podcast in partnership with the University of Denver's Franklin L. Burns School of Real Estate and Construction Management. The Housing Innovation Alliance is a nationwide community of game changers, driving the future of home delivery through crowd-accelerated innovation. We represent thought leaders from dirt to dweller with a focus on the production builder's business environment. This is Betsy Scott with the Housing Innovation Alliance. I'm here today with Sharna Rogers. She's been in the industry for more than 20 years, uh, both on the contracting side, as well as as an educator for Tuskegee University um, and in working with the NHB student chapters. So I'm excited to talk to her about both her history in the industry and how we can help her build the next generation workforce. Welcome, Sharner. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on. I appreciate you having me. So Sharner, you've been in the industry for more than 20 years in a number of different roles. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started? So yes, I am a generational builder, meaning that uh, the first born, well, it used to be the first boy born in my family to the oldest child, uh, end up having a construction company. So they went into residential construction. This happened long before me, long before my daddy, long before his dad. It was just a trade that our family had. And um, when my dad had kids, I was the only child that he had. So naturally, uh, a little disappointed, but he made me his general contractor. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say myself, I end up being one of the best of the family. So Yeah, so that's how I got into it. I learned at the early age, helping him um, with moving the wheelbarrows, uh, checking stuff, making sure stuff was leveled. I really liked that. Uh, I like to see the bubbles go in, and I felt like I'd achieved something when they got right in between those lines. So he made me feel like, you know, hey, I can do it. So I never looked at it as um, something that was forced upon me. I looked at something that it was an engaging experience with my father. You have a unique experience in that you're in the South, right? Correct. So you were in the late 90s, you were an African-American woman leading a a contracting company in the South. Not only was I in the South, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, heart of uh, country music and everything. And um, it was different. I wouldn't say that I was discriminated against. I would say that people was used to a way of running business. And that way of running business was having a um, a white older male that was the owner or the uh, person that came and did all the business transactions. And usually ma- uh, females of any color, any uh, cultural background was like a secretary or a sales agent. Right. So for me to be there coming into bids, looking around, I got, okay, hey, secretaries can't bid or you have to go get your boss or uh, can I see your, your, your license, your builder's license. So it was different things like that. I, once I showed my credentials, I never really had problems after that, but it was kind of, Oh, so you really are. You're not, you're telling the truth. This is what you do. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is what I do. And, uh, and my dad was good for that because uh, me and my dad started my company and I was the principal. So uh, he would go with me, but he stood back and allowed me to stand my own ground and learn how to talk to people that was uh, generations older than me and to get them to understand and respect my craft. 
how would you say things have evolved for you um, just in how you interact with people and, and how they view you as, um, as the leader of your business? You know, it's one of those things where I've earned my stripes. You know, at first people didn't trust me. I was young. Uh, I didn't have a face in the, build, uh, in the business. So I really had to get in there and show them what I knew uh, to do a better job than everybody else. People began trusting me, you know, after the first two or three times, they still was a little bit hesitant, but after, you know, showing them and proving to them and letting them know who I was and the, the type of product that I would build and the quality that they would get, I would say that I just proved and earned my way through. So you mentioned, you know, you've been in the university for a while and and you're focused, I know, on really looking at what that next generation of talent looks like. Um, And you've been doing that for what, 15 years now? Yes, ma'am. A little bit over 15 years. You know, I started off as an adjunct professor uh, when I was getting my PhD. They made me a graduate, um, graduate teaching assistant. And that was back in 2008. They made me a graduate teaching assistant. And I quickly learned because it never crossed my mind to ever be a professor uh, or a teacher. It just wasn't something that I have ever thought of. It wasn't anything that uh, I have seen. Um, None of my immediate family are teachers. They're all what you call blue collar workers. And so um, when I went into uh, to teach, I was able to really break down the concepts in a fashion that the students understand. And I just use their lingo. You know, I use their lingo and I use something that they could identify with. And it really, really worked. And it was new and it was refreshing and they loved it. And I ended up having some of the highest attendance for classes. I think I had a 98% attendance rate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I never had any kind of bad feedback or anything. And uh, my mentor, Dr. Linda Thomas Mobley, she told me, she was like, you might be good at this. She said, I think you might have a career in this. <laughs> when I was working for GDOT, Georgia Department of Transportation, I would still do some, people would call me and say, hey, can you teach this class? Can you do this and do that? And I would do it on the side. And I said, okay. And then I just realized one day, you know, um, my daughters were going into middle school and they were active in track and basketball. And um, I was missing out on a lot of things. So right. I was like, what job can I get that allow me to still do what I like and have the flexibility for my children? Right. And I went into teaching 2013. Uh, I started full time. Now I had been part time uh, for about, oh gosh, since 2008. So 2013, I went into being full-time and that was, um, was great. It was excellent. And um, mm-hmm. I started learning ways and doing things other than death by PowerPoint or the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, my greatest grip is seeing the light bulb go off. I mean, mm-hmm. as a teacher, um, going from the industry back into into teaching is is not an easy feat first your pay is nothing like it was so I I would like to say this so this is more of a labor of love but it's (laughs) something that I enjoy you know and I still dabble with my dad with building and everything Uh, I really really enjoy being able to teach this craft to young people uh, to allow them to take care of their families 
uh, and to make other families happy by building them a home or building them something like their first business or whatever they decide to go into. It's very rewarding. How has your student body really changed over the last several years? What did what did it look like initially? What kind of backgrounds were they coming from? And, and kind of where are you today on that front? So I want to start with 1995 when I, went, right. to, <laughs> when I went to college and I majored in architecture engineering. And then I wanted to change path and go into construction management with a minor in architecture engineering. And I remember I was the only, only person of color and only female in there. Right. And I remember them telling me, like, are you supposed to be here? Do you know what you signed up for? (laughs) Yes, I know what I signed up for. And, you know, I had to give the whole spiel about my dad and what he did. And they still just looked at me like, really, do you know what you signed up for? Can you even use a hammer? Do you even know how to measure stuff? So from then coming to when I went to Kennesaw State, I had a few young ladies there and a few uh, people of color to now I'm at an HBCU that has, that's one of the oldest construction, that is the oldest construction management program, construction science management program in the nation. A lot of people don't know that. And we are turning out great uh, products along with a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's kind of overwhelming because I never thought I would see this. Um, you know how the old folks that say, oh, you know, maybe when I'm gone, this will happen. But I actually saw it in my lifetime that other people that look like me, that can relate to me are now in the industry and they're doing very well. I have met with people since I've been in Atlanta, like H.J. Russell, who's owned by a black male that does really well. And, you know, other project managers and other women that are in the field, they didn't get stuck in the estimating department or the sales department. And they're really, really taking this thing on uh, by the horns and doing an excellent job. What, why do you think the, why do you think it's changed that way? What do you think um, the big uptick is, uh, can be attributed to? You know, I think it's two different things. Uh, I hate to say it. I think it's, Some kids are just defiant and just want to do what they want to do. And that's good for us because, (laughs) uh, because, you know, let's be honest. A lot of the older generation look at us as still blue collar work. And why go and spend money to get a degree in a blue collar uh, environment? Mm -hmm. So, you know, mostly most times parents pay for college. And so you kind of go, well, back in my day, you kind of did what they wanted you to do because that's how they kind of trained you up to be. And now these kids are saying, no, I don't care what you think. I'm looking at these TVs. I'm looking at what's going on. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And I think more representation that has been around is helping people come into the field. I think getting the opportunity. And then once those people get an opportunity, they pull back and bring other people up for opportunity is helping. Unfortunately, the summer with the Black Lives Matter and a whole bunch of racial tension, I think it was really bad, but I think it woke America up and Mm -hmm. the construction industry up to say, hey, uh, you know, let's see what's going on. Let's really give this an honest effort and try um, to see if we really could do this. Or it made people step back and look and see if their company is really diverse and how can they do it? Um, Mm -hmm. I tell everybody all the time, diversity shouldn't be a a fad means it shouldn't be something that 
oh my gosh, this stuff is happening. Let us go hire people of color and women to come and do some. It should be something that is a set of standard. I'm not asking anybody to say, okay, uh, just because that person is of color or woman, but she has lower qualifications, we should hire her. That's not right. what I'm saying. I'm saying if you got two candidates and you have a great candidate that's a person of color or a woman, just give a chance on them. If they got the qualification, just see how they do. Don't automatically put in your mind that, you know, mm, the background, this is just not going to work because we are changing. Personally, as someone who's been in the industry, love to hear what you would say to um, uh, what you would say in general, what you like about being in the housing industry, and then what you would say to women who are considering a career in housing. Okay, so the housing industry, you know, I could say I grew up, grew up in it, but just because you grew up in it doesn't mean that you love it. What I mainly love about building people a house is that the whole time that I'm building this product, they are coming and they are putting prayers on their foundation or they're bringing grandma and a walker and might be the first time anybody ever bought a house and they're looking at it and they're smiling and they're taking so much great pride in it. And I'm able to create a house that these people are now going to make a home. And that is so rewarding to me. I'm, I'm able to give to somebody something that they would cherish um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, for commercial industry, I just could not take two to what 12 months, two to three years of rebar. <laughs> I just could not <laughs> like that. That didn't attract to me. But with a house and I get to see all my little creations uh, all at once. So I really, really like that. You know, they're going to remember you like, hey, she built my house. Or, hey, I mean, just think about, like I said, you making a home for somebody. Um, you you could you're part of breaking generation curses. You are part of, uh, you know, people making a big decision, you know, not only financially, but mentally. Right. You know, it's it's really, really <laughs> something to look at. So what so what would you say to women who are considering a career in housing? What advice would you give them? I would tell them to, you know, really, really just believe in yourself and do it. You know, it's going to be a lot of people that are going to tell you, and I'm not talking about in industry, I'm talking about out of industry that's going to tell you that's not a woman's work or, you know, women don't belong belong in that place or, um, you know, you really should think about nursing or something else. No. I would say this is a day where we can do whatever we want to do. And if you want to go into construction, if you want to be a project manager, if you want to be a superintendent, you have every right to do it and you will uh, be able to do it. And that's the great thing about how things have uh, evolved over the years. Like you have a chance now to really do what you want. (laughs) You don't have to get told yes or no. It's just Mm -hmm. up to you and if you want to do it. So one final question for you. What can we do as an industry to recruit and develop a more inclusive workforce? I would say to, um, like I always say, don't think of diversity as a fad. Diversity should be something that you all work for uh, continuously. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the more people come in and see, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about my white male students too. 
they have grown up not as secluded or um, segregated than we did. They have grown up with people from all walks of life. So um, they would like to go into places that look like their surroundings. Right. And the more that companies look like their surroundings, the more that they are able to attract more diverse people. Um, People like to go in and say, hey, I identify with that person. Oh, I'm a woman. Oh, you have another woman superintendent you compare me up with great you know and uh it makes people feel comfortable and and people tend to do that better when they're in an environment that they are comfortable with well thank you so much for your time today sharner yes thank you so much bessie i enjoyed talking to you oh i enjoyed talking to you as well on behalf of the housing innovation alliance and the university of denver this is dr eric holt Thank you for being part of our journey. This is where innovation calls home.